The song begins with the sound of a single soprano, a soft harp dancing behind the ghostly voice. It is a famous aria from composer Christoph Gluck's 250-year-old opera Orpheus and Eurydice. The opera retold the Greek myth of Orpheus, a poet and singer who traveled to the underworld in a doomed attempt to rescue his dead girlfriend. In the aria, we hear Orpheus, a single soprano voice with a harp, the poet and singer begging for mercy from the Furies who guard the gates to the underworld. Suddenly, the Furies reply with a pounding death metal chorus. No, 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 they roar. During the Great Depression, the poet Delmore Schwartz mentioned this aria in his poem, Tired and Unhappy, You Think of Houses. In the poem, the struggling young poet imagined what it would be like to live rich and secure, fantasizing about an alternative life with a fireplace, servants, and a cozy mansion, the exact opposite of his life as a poet and writing professor living in New York City. Inside his imaginary alternative life, an imaginary little girl sings this aria as an imaginary cozy fireplace crackles inside Delmore's imaginary mansion. But we know her song already, and we are waiting for the chorus of the Furies to roar, no. No, no, no. With the same sudden finality of the aria, Delmore's imaginary world collapses. The voice of the little girl and the poet's happy fantasy are drowned out by the hellish underworld roar of a subway train. So many surround you, ringing your fate, caught in an anger, exact as a machine he writes, describing that subway, the underworld, and we wake up from the fantasy with Delmore in 1937, smothered by the heavy weight of the Great Depression. After five years of the depression, the hopes of most of the boys of their circle had faded slowly like a color or were worn thin like a cloth. That's poet and author Craig Morgan Teicher reading a story by Delmore Schwartz. At the AWP conference in April 2016, Teicher read some of Schwartz's all but forgotten poetry and prose for the audience. This is probably the first time this poem has been read out loud in decades, Craig noted, and I shivered listening to Schwartz's dispatches from a life carved and sculpted by the Great Depression, his words once again returning to life during our own time of economic uncertainty. I'm author and journalist Jason Bogue, and this is the Sad Men Podcast, telling the stories of how men and women writers survived the Great Depression. Craig Morgan Teicher edited the brand new collection, Once and for All, The Best of Delmore Schwartz, making sure that readers in the wake of the Great Recession can now remember the work of this great poet. The Great Depression had literally altered the course of Delmore Schwartz's life. Jacob felt that he had come to a conclusion which showed the shadow in which his friends and he lived. They did not inhabit a true community. The city as such had no true need of any of them, a fact which became more and more clear during the Great Depression. We need to remember that many contemporary writers came of age during a similar crushing economic environment. Even though our economy has limped into recovery, these young graduates and young writers will be permanently crippled in the job market. In The Atlantic, journalist Don Peck wrote about the research of Yale economist Lisa Kahn as she tracked the careers of college graduates emerging during a recession in the 1980s. Peck explained the results that Kahn had discovered. 
The unluckiest graduates of the decade who emerged in the teeth of the 1981 to 1982 recession made roughly 25% less in their first year than graduates who stepped out into boom times. The unlucky graduates never closed the gap. 17 years after graduation, those who had entered the workforce during inhospitable times were still earning 10% less on average than those who emerged into a more bountiful climate. Those statistics must be factored into every conversation we have about the Great Depression or the Great Recession. A college kid entering the workforce today will never earn the same amount as her older cousin. Economic downturns literally stratify the working lives of Americans, leaving deep wounds that last long after the economy has recovered. In the final years of the Great Depression, the Federal Writers Project was a government-sponsored program that put Swartz's struggling generation of writers back to work. Those writers produced many works of art, including New York Panorama, a guidebook to Depression-era New York City. The book described the plight that writers faced during the Great Depression or any economic downturn. The few writers who starved it out until fame reached their garrets have been memorialized in many romantic biographical sketches, New York Panorama begins. But of the many who were forced by want to abandon their literary aims, no record exists. No record exists. Those lines still haunt me. Things are not as bad for our generation. We have stronger unemployment benefits, better health care, and our unemployment rate has never reached Depression-era squalor. But I know too many writers who never returned to newspaper jobs, and I know too many reporters who headed to other professions. How many writers have been lost? How many careers stalled and never got restarted because of the Great Recession and the collapse of the traditional print business models that came with it? We will never know. We will never know. And that loss is as tragic now as it was during Schwartz's generation and during the Great Depression.